0: Listen to our conversation this week as we discuss how restorative practices does not work for bullying. Say what? I thought it worked everywhere for everyone. Well, think again and listen in and here are your hosts, Shelley, Steve and me, Stan.
1: A Circle Forum, we respectfully acknowledge the land with, that we gather, work, learn, and live daily are the treaty and traditional territory of Indigenous people. We are grateful for our relationship with the First Nations of this territory, for their care of, their teachings about, the land, the water, and our relations. As a settler organization, we continue the journey to strengthen our, our understanding of our relationships with Indigenous people, communities, and nations and also how to move forward together in a good way. We acknowledge the contributions and accomplishments of all Indigenous people across Turtle Island, current and throughout history.
0: So welcome to our podcast this week. I always like starting with that land acknowledgement because it really helps to put things into a place, into a context. And this week we have a special guest with us, Barbara Coloroso. Welcome, Barbara.
2: Thank Welcome. you very much, Dan and Steve and Shelley. It's a joy and an honor to be here. Uh, and I would like to acknowledge um, the celebration and respect for indigenous peoples all over the world. Uh, because as we're dealing with this, we need to look at our history and to acknowledge um, the harm that's been caused. And I address that very specifically in my book on genocide, Extraordinary Evil. Um, and the fact that it is a short walk from hateful rhetoric to hate-fueled crimes to crimes against humanity. I mean, genocide is not an unimaginable horror. It was thoroughly imagined, meticulously planned, and horrifically carried out by people who turned other human beings in their minds into an it, which is what bullying is all about. Contempt for another human being. Um, So, thank you for honoring all First Nation peoples.
0: I love what you talked about and just mentioned now as a short walk. Uh, Maybe you can take us through that little short walk.
2: Well, first I'm going to take you to Rwanda and I thank Stephen Lewis. I said, is there anything I can do for you? And I ended up in Rwanda working with uh, orphans from the 1994 genocide where in 100 days, almost a million human beings were macheted to death. They were considered cockroaches, which is that beginning of the short walk, the dehumanization of another human being. But when I went into their uh, museum in Kigali, the capital, they had a list of uh, genocides throughout the world. And I was really drawn to that because I had been a student of genocide studies. And on this wall, it listed in order the genocides in the world and listed them number one, two, three, based on the number of people involved, how many had been slaughtered. And at the very top, number one, North American indigenous peoples. Number two, South American indigenous peoples. Number three, the Holocaust. Wow, and then it goes on to list others. But um, when I bring that up in both Canada and the United States in my lectures on bullying, because I think it's important to recognize the continuum there, um, uh, people are often shocked to to understand that. And I think it's critical right now that we understand um, our history and look at uh, the crimes that have been committed and the Rwandans. By 1998, we're calling uh, what happened to the Indigenous peoples in North and South America a genocide.
1: Yes, that's fascinating that other parts of the world have recognized that and called it that. But that we and we've had lots of discussions amongst ourselves of why that wasn't called that here. But that is fascinating that that long ago that that was being recognized as that. hmm.
2: Well, it was a bit of controversy when my Extraordinary Evil book first came out. Um, And uh, now I understand what death threats are all about. (laughs) Uh, Because, and it was in Canada, uh, and then it spread where I mentioned that it is a short walk from bullying to hate crimes, to crimes against humanity. How dare I even compare them? But if you study them, you'll understand that genocides didn't just happen that they're rooted in utter contempt for another human being. And once I have that contempt for you, I can do anything and not feel any shame or compassion. I can take in my own country, Matthew Shepard, beat him up, time to a post, post leading to die uh, outside of Laramie, Wyoming. And when those two young boys were arrested, they said, yeah, but he was gay. James Byrd, Texas, Jasper, Texas, drug, drug on the back of a pickup. Uh, and when those three boys were arrested, they said, yeah, but he was black. And then Renee Virk in British Columbia. Yes. A uh, hundred kids knew about her death before yes. the parents or police. 25 of them cheered those girl girls on as they broke her arms before they drowned her. Uh, and one of those girls said, oh, she's brown and ugly and fat. And, and I didn't like her. As if that's a reason to kill her. You know, th- so it's that utter contempt that we have for another human being that begins that short walk. And, and quite frankly, in my own country, I think we've taken a giant leap with the dehumanization at the border, with the dehumanization of refugees, with the dehumanization of our neighbors.
0: And once you do that, you can justify just about anything. Certainly the work that uh, Shelley and I have done in violence threat risk assessment, if there is justification. And if you can come up with a justification yourself, you're actually capable of just about anything in terms of how you act toward another.
2: Well, that's part of that trap of comradeship that Sebastian Hafner talked about and Dan Olvaeus uh, structured into the bully circle. And then I've adapted with his permission um, that trap of comradeship uh, where um, those and Voltaire said it beautifully. I, if I can say that correctly, uh, those who can uh, make you believe um, atrocities can make you commit atrocities. So, and I think I've got the word wrong there with atrocities for the first part, but those who can make you believe something then can make you commit. Be, be Why? Because once you believe it, then you're able to do it. And that's why I think it's so critical that we recognize Um, uh, uh, every part that all of us play uh, in breaking this horrific cycle of violence in our homes and in our communities and in the schoolyard. Those who can make you believe absurdities can make you commit atrocities. And and once we believe that somebody is uh, less than us as human beings, then hurting them, harming them in any way is okay. It's like Martin Buber. Um, Some of you may know I'm a former Franciscan nun, obviously former with a husband and three kids and and three grandkids. Uh, And no, I didn't marry a priest. Yes, I met him after I left the convent. I always try to make sure my husband's dignity is left intact there. (laughs) Um, But we met at a civil rights uh, march. So um, we had a lot in common. Martin Buber said, I am I and you are thou. I'm unique and you're unique, and we have a common humanity. Archbishop Desmond Tutu said, we're interrelated, interconnected, and interdependent. However, in bullying, I'm an I, you become an it. And I put you outside my circle of caring. And once you're outside that, I literally can do anything to you and not feel that normal shame or compassion because you're an it. I mean, um, Armenians were called dogs before the Armenian genocide. Jews were vermin and bacteria eating at the fabric of our humanity. Rwandans were cockroaches, Tutsis in Rwanda were cockroaches. Um, uh, And uh, Cambodians were called worms. Rohingyas today are called fleas. So that's why we have to stop in its tracks, the verbal abuse of another human being in our classrooms. I tell students, you don't have to like every kid in this classroom, but you must honor their humanity. You must treat them with dignity and regard. And when you hear that adage, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, it's a lie. That's right. Um, And we have to address the verbal dehumanization as step one on this short walk.
0: So I'd love to sit here and let you talk because it's fantastic (laughs) stuff. Um, So that takes us to the schools and the classrooms and the work we do with restorative practices and the role that it can play in I guess, taking apart those absurdities or addressing those absurdities that kids may come to school having heard, and, I, and it could be very young kids, it could be especially high school kids, and with social media, they're getting it from everywhere now, addressing those absurdities in a, in a supportive manner. And so we say restorative practices is the way to do that. It allows for conversations and transparent conversations. What are your thoughts on sort of when do we start those conversations? How do we start those with children if we hear them in the schools? How do the teachers combat all that? So, you know, when do we see children being able to rationally think through the absurdities and and come to their own thoughts and conclusions? That's a loaded question, I know. but I just like to hear your thoughts. We've been taught at
2: seven, but bullying starts younger. Girls tend to start it because verbal bullying is the most common. Right. Boys and girls do that one equally well. And it can be an entree to the others or combined with the other ways and means of bullying uh, to pack an even greater wallop. And girls about four and a half, boys about five. Now boys fight a lot younger, right? but that's not bullying. And so it's real important uh, that we're willing to hold restorative practices or transformative practices when you get into the severe mayhem. Um, is not the same as when you had a conflict. Uh, And so I think first we have to discern what bullying is and what it is not. Bullying is a conscious, willful, deliberate, hostile activity intended to harm where we often get pleasure from the pain inflicted on the targeted person. Um, There are four ways and three means. Uh, The first, I'm so glad to see the World Anti-Bullying Forum this week honor it uh, internationally. I've been fighting uh, for this with the, the basic definition of bullying in both Canada and the U.S. Um, and what it, what it is, is uh, that what is so important, it can be a one-time significant event. We do not have to wait, as so many definitions said, for it to be repeated over time. Once the toilet on account to one calls a gross... Racial or sexual term matters. Um, and want to ostracize from your peers online is mean and cruel. So I'm looking at mean and cruel behaviors. So it can be a one-time event. It can be continuous or repeated and often is. Uh, hazing by its nature, and that's the middle school years and on up. Ritualized initiation intended to humiliate, denigrate, or dehumanize in order to get into a group. We must recognize when people say, well, he willingly drank all that or he willingly did those things to himself to get in the group, how important it is to feel that connectedness, that belonging. Um, that can be so great that kids will do that. So we've got to come up with better rituals for our young people. Uh, and then the last one is the one all of us are dealing with with young people today. Uh, and that cyber, digital or technology enhanced Uh, bullying online we say online and the real world that's not true it's online offline combined to make the real world for our young people as young as four and a half Mm -hmm. and then we have the means of doing it is verbal physical and relational or social notice I didn't say emotional all of these impact kids emotionally but verbal is the most common physical is the least but we tend to see it the most and social, boys tend to do the physical more than girls do, but girls have in their social arsenal something far more powerful. And we see this at four and a half on out. And that's shunning rumor, gossip, and exclusion. Uh, and so we've got to honor the fact that that's what it is. So we know what bullying is, but what isn't it? Um, one of the things I think we make as a mistake as parents and educators is the failure to discern the difference between normal, natural, and necessary conflict. uh, And our job is to help uh, kids learn to handle those conflicts nonviolently. And that's where restorative practices can play a big part, whether it advanced to a serious uh, fight uh, or not, but restorative practices that are related to conflict, which is the training most people have, uh, will not work for bullying. And I'll get to that in a moment, But there are two other things that are not bullying that we often have to deal with. And that's ignorant faux pas, where you hear kids saying comments like, oh, that's so gay, or he Jewed me down, or he gypped me, which is from the term gypsy, which in Europe is uh, like saying the N-word here for the Roma and the Sinti's. And so we got to get educated. Now, you don't treat that as bullying, but you stop it. Um, and you and you give kids an education about the roots of those words because they may have just heard them and are just saying them uh, and not meaning any malice at all, uh, but more ignorant. And we have to give them. We can't let it go. Just don't call it bullying. Uh, and then there's the impulsive aggression. I'm a special ed teacher, uh, and uh, it. So often, some of our kids with ADHD or with um, autism will strike out emotionally. Um, and it's often indiscriminate striking out uh, with no intended target. They're angry, they're frustrated, and they just don't know how to deal with it appropriately. That is not bullying. And so we need once we understand what bullying is and the ways and means of bullying, then we can deal with it not as a conflict. For instance, let's say a girl comes and says um, in middle school that this girl called me a gross name. She tripped me in the hallway and she locked me out of the chat room that all of us were in. So I have in my toolbox restorative practices related to conflict. It's always worked for conflict. So I set the two girls down and they say, the one girl says, the, ta- the bully. Um, I'm so sorry if you were offended, which by the way is not an apology. It puts all the problem back on the targeted kid. Um, I didn't trip you. You fell over your own feet. And we didn't know when we pushed that button, we locked you out of the chat room. The other girl who has been targeted is sitting there like the Dixie chicks. I'm not ready to make nice. And we look at her and we say, oh, come on, let's work this out. You've got to be in class together for the next few years. I know we can work this out. We have just retargeted the girl who was targeted. And we cannot use conflict resolution tools and restorative practices when somebody's been bullied. And so what we need to look at is a different form. uh, and, uh, And there are many in the field now calling it transformative. Um, as to, to make the distinction, but it's still three R's. One of the most important things, whether it's a four and a half year old, a 15 year old or a young adult, when they've been caught bullying somebody, often people will say, well, we've got PBIS in our schools, positive behavioral intervention strategies. So we're going to use those. Bravo. Yes. But number one, before you do that is to hold the person doing the targeting accountable for what they have done. It's so important that targeted kids see that the other person is being held accountable for what they've done. And it's three R's, restitution, resolution, and reconciliation at the behest of the targeted kid. Let's say I'm in the middle of teaching a class and I hear that young girl call the targeted girl, a gross name. I don't say, what did you say? Because then they repeat it. I also um, don't tell the girl who was targeted, oh, just move away or ignore it or avoid her. But what I do is I stop whatever I'm doing, close my mouth, don't say a word, and just stop walking toward the girl who made the comment. And everybody who's still awake in English class, I've taught high school English, um, is watching me. And I go up to the girl who called the other girl a gross name. And I go, no more, not here, never. That was mean. That was cruel. And this is safe harbor for every kid in this classroom. I will see you after class because you've got a job to do. Now. I didn't raise my voice, but I changed my voice. Every kid's listening. They know that this is not going to be tolerated in this classroom. You will be held accountable. And the young girl who is targeted knows right away that somebody believes me, that I'm not in this alone, and that what this young girl did was not right. And that's affirming the kid who's been targeted. Then I go back to teaching as if nothing happened. And a few moments later, I call on the kid who targeted the other girl because I don't want to exclude her either. I don't want to turn her into a mean kid in the eyes of the other kids. So I call on her and there are a lot of people in the heavy behavior mod who said, why would you be kind to her? Why not? I want to invite her back. She's still got work to do. So I invite her and engage her in conversation in the class. But after class. Just before it ends, everybody's got their assignments, I say to her, I need to see you. You've got a job to do. Now, all the other kids have already learned, because we've taught them in anti-bullying programs that we've worked with them on at the beginning of the school year, that if you call somebody a gross name, if you have targeted them physically or socially, you've got those three R's. Restitution, own and fix what you did. So they need to come see me. And at different ages and stages, it'll be after class right in the middle or during reading or whatever. Uh, they need to come talk to me. Um, and then uh, they said, but, but I didn't mean to. I said, I'm not asking you that. I want you to own what you did. Now, how can you fix that? And they said, I don't know. And what we have to recognize in bullying is you can't repair the harm. The name's been said. The physical fist in the face was done the locking her out of the chat room, the harm that she felt right there can't be totally fixed. Now you can go online and say, um, I locked Susie out of the chat room, that what I did was mean and cruel. And um, I want you kids to know that I will not lock her out again. And if you saw this message and sent it on to somebody, the mean and cruel one about locking her out, please send this message. Will it totally fix it? No, but we've got to make the attempt to to repair the harm. So, um, and the kid will say, well, well, I won't won't ever do that again. A restitution resolution. How are you going to keep it from happening again? I won't do it again. Well, that's good. That's what you won't do. Tell me what you will do. And this is where our wisdom comes in because they say, I don't know. Well, you could call her by her given name. Duh. Uh, You could um, sit in the back of the class or in the front of the class so she doesn't have to put up with you for a period of time. You give them ways that they can fix it. Notice I didn't say, say, I'm sorry. I never demand an I'm sorry. You do, you get one of three kinds. I'm sorry, real heartfelt, or I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And they keep saying it over and over again, but they don't mean it. Or I'm sorry if you were offended, which is absolutely not an apology. So I, I don't demand that. If it comes, great. But it's got to be heartfelt without the smirk on the face. Um, then the last one is the most important. How are you going to heal with the person you've harmed? Now, when she's ready to sit down with you, see if we have given the power to the targeted kid, then you can sit and go through those two hours with her and then try to heal with her. But I also say to that kid, What time do your folks get home? Six, you have to seven to tell them first. Most of the time, I like to give kids who have targeted somebody at least an hour to go home, make the bed, walk the dog, do the dishes and say, uh, you're going to get a phone call because wouldn't you as a parent want to know your kids calling somebody gross names before it gets so out of hand? Yes, most of us would. But I also notify the administration because they might have more knowledge than I do. Like he's, she's been calling her those names in three other classes or calling other girls names. And we got a bigger problem. But I wouldn't know that in English class. During the day, I also go up to the kid who was targeted and say, I am so sorry. What that girl did was mean and cruel. I'm so sorry that happened on my watch. And the sad thing is by fourth or fifth grade, we'll have young kids saying, uh, it happens all the time. I say, whoa, whoa, time out. Talk to me about this. Uh, And that's when we say the child needs to go to the counselor, because if they have the attitude that I can't stop it, there's nothing I can do. um, I need somebody to spend longer time with this girl, letting her know this is not right. And there are things you can do. And we do hear you. And there are people you can report any uh, bullying. I happen to catch it. But if it ever happens at another time um, that you can do this. So we support her. Then the third step can happen. But I also call her parents. But the parents there would say, who did it? And so often we hide behind. We can't tell you it's privacy violation. Bah makes parents crazy. So what I suggest that educators say is ask your daughter Mm -hmm. and let them say it. Uh, And then what are you doing to them? Well, I can't tell you it violates our bah, no, in our handbooks. These are the three steps that I promise you, every kid who bullies another kid will go through. And when your daughter feels safe enough and confident enough to sit down with the the kid who bullied her, then we'll do a reconciliation. If it's sexual or racial bullying that's severe, they may never come back together to deal with this. And you have to protect the targeted kid. Number one, protect the targeted kid. Number two, protect anybody who reported it. Number three, deal with the kid who did the bullying. But when they do get together, the bully will often say, well, I'm so sorry, fine. We've rehearsed it with them. Um, I did call you a gross name. Whoa, sometimes all targeted kids want to hear is the other kid saying, I really did it. They can be believed now that this happened to them. Uh, the next thing is, this is how I'm keeping it from happening again. I'm sitting in the back of the class. I'm maybe changing classes. Um, I have to walk down the hallway after everybody's gone down the hallway. Um, and I unlocked you in the chat room and sent this message to my peers. I'd like to invite you to come have lunch with us. And the targeted kid might say, well, thank you. <laughs> I'd love to, but they might not. They might say what Steve Seskin said. Um In uh, the song that he and Alan Chamlin made so famous uh, by Peter, Paul and Mary, don't laugh at me. Don't call me names. Don't take your pleasure from my pain. I want to know I can walk down the hallway and not be called a name. I want to know I cannot be tripped or locked out of a chat. That's what I need. Do you see what you've just done is you've emboldened the kid who was targeted and you humbled, not humiliated, but humbled the kid who did the bullying chances of that being repeated in your classroom or in the hallways or online have been radically reduced
0: what a terrific example of how to respond to bullying i loved it i love the practical suggestions barbara colorosa walked us through but wait there's more we had to add a part two this week just to cover everything we talked about so tune into part two coming later this week interested in talking to us some more about restorative practices drop us an email to stan at restorative.ca and let's keep the conversation going